0: All right, Saturday morning. Bud, we're getting a late walk, aren't we? We're getting a late start here. And it's going to be hot. It's August 4th here in Arizona. And uh, the sun is up. The storm from the other day is gone. So we're back to blue skies. A roasting a roasting temperature and hopefully you pick up the sound of the gate there and uh, we're going out it's 833 in the morning right 833 it's kind of early actually right but for Arizona 833 is late because it's 95 <laughs> degrees already 95 degrees 31% humidity so we got a little humidity little but still there and uh, the sun is up and it's warm, 95. Holy cow! So we're in the shade at the moment. I don't know how far Bud's going to make it. He's going to be panting and dying. I may even have to carry him back. So it's 8:30. I should have probably got out here at 6:30, two hours ago when it was only 90. But I kind of thought 90, 95. What's the difference, right? But anyways, here we are. Saturday, hot, August 4th. So essentially we have about 30 to 45 days of kind of uncomfortable weather. And uh, then we got nine months of joy. Here's a truck coming. Probably probably a rock delivery there's a lot of rock deliveries out here and I'm looking at a, a red beamer a nice red beamer parch out here on the street probably a new model it's a uh, 430i very nice 430i and uh, this is a house owned by some Korean pastor that came over here my wife and I almost bought that house, but it smelled like Korean food. There's nothing. <laughs> I mean, we walked in and had a look around. I was like, I smell kimchi. Kimchi all over. It's probably in the walls and everything. So I'm, I'm sure they're not listening to this uh, podcast. And uh, if they were Chinese, they'd probably want to eat bud. Right, bud? And you know, we don't want those guys to eat you. But anyways, yeah, Korean food, kimchi throughout the house. Not a pleasant smell. But uh, yeah, so the widow and her, they must have some kids in their 30s, 20s and 30s. So they're stopping by to see mom, it looks like. I remember walking through the house and she, you know, with, with satellite TV, she had some kind of Korean TV station on. So she's been living there for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Quite the international street. I think there's some other Chinese people that work at Intel on the street. So that's the neighborhood. And we should love, love everybody in the neighborhood. And for Arizona, we're a bit odd with the, the summers, we're hibernating. So the rest of you around the world that enjoy your summers, you're enjoying the summer outside. It's a beautiful time and then the winter comes, right? Well, we're like the end of our winter. And we'll be out of it. And then Bud will enjoy his walks all the time because it won't be so hot out here. So, yeah, um, yeah, I have a morning routine. I usually don't walk right away. Um, I like to read my chapter. Today was my last chapter. Paul, his last chapter ever. The last thing that Paul wrote. 2 Timothy 4. And... Uh, it's where he talks about, uh, asks Timothy to bring his cloak, because he's going to winter somewhere. So, yeah, life application Bible. Paul bringing his cloak. Hey, can you bring my cloak? Yeah, yeah. So what does this tell us about the scripture? See, people, pastors won't preach about these things. They're, they're, they're in the Bible, right? Paul talked about it. Bring, bring my cloak. For winter. What? What's the significance? There kind of isn't one, right? I mean, <laughs> you know, so for me, it's like, I don't have a coat for winter because I'm in Arizona. So did God mess up when he inspired the inerrant word of God? Of course not. That was, of course, that was a sarcastic question. But if the point being is like, how do you know? I mean, most of my experience is how pastors and teachers like they they of course emphasize how great the Word of God is which it is but then you got peculiar little experiences in there like where he says bring my coat for winter and my other favorites like I didn't realize this but I just searched like four times in Paul's writing he says I'm telling you the truth I'm not lying or he says I'm not lying. I'm telling the truth. So so, to me, that tells me that Paul wrote letters and he certainly wasn't in some kind of trance and um, thinking about, hey, I am God's servant, which he is, which he did write. but it was his God's servant, Christ's servant in his actions and behaviors and what he did and preaching the gospel and going from city to city and uh, preaching, you know, that's, that was his, that's what he viewed as service. And he viewed it as, hey, that's his day-to-day conscious, what I would call walking in the spirit life. And that's what he did. And when it gets down to like inspired, Word of God and inerrant Scriptures—that you know—that's kind of a a concept we put on, we put that on the Scriptures. And I'm starting in my method of reading Paul and kind of watching him. It started, it's started—it's kind of revealing to me that we don't take the personal history of these guys into account, and I think we're gravely missing. Isn't that gravely? What you know? What kind of adjective is that, right? we're gravely missing the, the gems, the importance of the Scripture. And this story, I mean, Paul's first writings in First Thessalonians were like probably, they say, 48 to 52 A.D. And then Second Timothy is probably like late 60s A.D., so over a 15-year period. So don't you think with all of Paul's experiences, Over a 15 to 20 year period, that he's seen God work, and that the point is not to verse pluck, like pull things out and say, Oh, this is the key, this is it, Paul wrote this, this is the key. It's why I don't understand why we don't like follow his development and the development of the church and development of. Um, his experiences and thoughts and instead we, I think we got it kind of wrong right now where we like, um, our local church just did a series on First Timothy and emphasized all the instructions on elders and overseers and deacons and and all this organizational crap, you know and yet it doesn't step back and go, well, let's see what's going on. When, when Paul wrote to Colossians, for example, they had the same issues, right? I mean, they have a church and it was local and okay, there was some dude Epaphroditus or somebody that was the Timothy of that area leading the church, but Paul doesn't write down all kinds of instructions for them like how to organize a church and... Something. So at that point of his life, because that was earlier, it was probably a couple years earlier, Paul didn't feel like that was the need, you know. Or, you know, we have this concept that God inspired and is this word, and he didn't inspire Paul to write in Colossians how to organize the Colossian church. But he did later with. Timothy, because Timothy was in Ephesus, and for whatever reason, Paul decided to give him more specific instructions, and that's cool. That's all right. I mean, I'm not arguing that the Bible's errant. I'm not saying the Bible's errant. I'm just saying we need to take a, a more comprehensive look at interpreting it and what does it mean. So I asked this guy in the, the the deep Bible belt. The guy grew up in Tennessee, and he does his own podcast called the Christian Commute. And he's, it's pretty funny because he's he's like all in on the Southern Baptist Church, but he got kicked out of his church, which is kind of cool. So I kind of I definitely respect him for that. Yeah, <laughs> actually. He's the only guy I know that got kicked out of his church. So really, that's probably, he doesn't realize it or appreciate it, but probably that is his number one brand is, hey, I got kicked out of this a Southern Baptist church. Of course, he lives in this county in, around Atlanta, which I don't know much about it or the culture, right? But it has its own culture. It's called Bartow County. I have no idea what that county is. But he he has a huge issue with masonry, freemasons, and for whatever reason that was like a a burr up his butt, like he just couldn't stand having Freemasons involved in his local church. so he's been going on and on and on about it, and you know he, he I kind of somehow got connected with his podcast and I kind of liked because you could write him an email and ask him a question and stuff so because of we've got I'm out in Arizona so number one I don't have a lot of Freemasons out here as far as I can tell and we're such a dynamic culture with people moving in from all over the country those kind of whack job whack job power structures of you know Jim Bob is a member of the Freemason Lodge, blah blah blah. So he should get the he should get the uh, street cleaning contract from Freemason Billy Bo Bobby Boo over here in and, and this and that. So all that kind of old time business dealing crap stuff that the apparently the Freemasons are big into in Bartow County, Georgia, doesn't mean jack to me. So, so, so we live in Arizona, I'm sure Pete and Yankees, you know, Yankees. Oh, he thinks I'm a Yankee from, I don't know why he thinks I'm from Pennsylvania, but I'm an Illinois Yankee, dude. And, uh, and way north, like roots in Minnesota. Like so far from Civil War crap that uh, Pennsylvania is too close to me. I mean, I would say that's that's kind of Yankee territory, fighting words with the Civil War. But I asked him about First Timothy 6 the other day because it it really, Paul starts out with slavery and how you should obey your masters. And I'm like, Oh, this must have been a great text for for uh, the Southerners to uh, justify slavery. And then he went on to the nuancing of it, and that you know, then they see these guys all have to twist the Bible, like you know, it's it's inerrant, right? So you got one hat, one part of the Southerners in the 1800s saying like, well, the Bible's inerrant, word of God, inspired, and uh, look, Paul said it's okay to have slaves, man. And then then nowadays, they're saying, like, oh, well, Paul wasn't referring to racial slavery. So, and it's like, as if it matters, really. I mean, if there were white slaves back then, would that, like, if there was, like, a mixture, if if they had... If someone started a campaign like, "Well, we're going to have diversity in our in our slavery," <laughs> then it would have been okay. Then it would have been biblical. Is that what you're saying, Southern boy, Bartow County boys? I don't know. It's just like they're they're like, "Yeah, okay." And and I he's, and I could tell yesterday he was offended by the Yankee thing. So like, I, the the Southerners, I suppose it's just like anything. You lose. Apparently, the the idea is that they lost, because they were apparently fighting purely over slavery thing. And then they'll spin it, right? They'll spin it to like, well, no, it was really about states' rights, blah, 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 you know. And yet the Yankees kind of look at it as like, no, we were fighting over slavery, and you guys shouldn't treat people like slaves and so forth, so. So there's that north-south argument, and I don't even care to get into it, really. I just, it's so in the past, but some people can't let go of it. So hey, bud, what's going on? You're, you're already worn out, aren't you? It's hot. So I don't know what we should do, bud. Should we just head back? I mean, would you be happy if we just go back? I, I think you're pretty worn out. Let's Let's try that. We'll go back, bud. Come on will go back. Bud, are you liking air conditioning? Your ancestors, Bud, didn't have doggy air conditioning. So I don't know what, what you're thinking about. Huh? Do you think you can move? Come on, Bud. Let's go this way. So the South. The South. Where was I going with that? Shoot. The Bible and the inerrancy and the... Paul, slaves... He's not lying. So, reading the Bible. Oh, yeah, he brought up that word. Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Leave it to the professional class, the pastoral seminarian class, which I'm, over the last few months, years, I'm, maybe it's just getting older. It's like I'm reading a chapter a day, every day. That's 365. I mean, that's a lot of coverage. Of course, I, I really like the reading Paul because I take the position that he's the most relatable guy to, to us Gentiles. So there's only half a percent of the world that's not a Gentile. So that would be the Jewish people. So the audience listening to this podcast, pretty much classify yourself as a Gentile. That's a safe bet. So Paul is bringing this news, this good news to to the Gentiles. And probably in a lot of ways, the organized religion churches have screwed it all up. I mean, with these seminaries, these pristine seminaries with big lawns and uh, academic buildings that look like any other institution and uh, filled with professors that are so wise and knowledgeable about the Greek and Hebrew text, right? And if you step back from it for a minute, you'd say like, well, God loves everyone and it doesn't, it's not based on knowledge and how much knowledge you have and how smart you are. I'm starting to become convinced it's how much love we can express to one another. How loving can we be? So I think the, the culture of this education system and the, you know, going to seminary and, and and such forth is really. I mean, they probably sit in a classroom and say, like, well, you know, you're getting all this knowledge in a school, but remember, it's all about love and humility. <laughs> but then they get their church, and then there's politics, and then they want to control that. They get their they get their calling to a church, and they want to implement their programs and cast the vision and influence their followers and their people and their, their sheep and their flock. Take care of the flock. Well, taking care of the flock starts with understanding your flock, you know? So I guess that's how this is coming back semi-circle to why I got connected with this deep south southern Baptist dude on the internet because he would, he would, like 30 minutes every day, he would drive home from work and spout off about Southern Baptist things. And Freemasonry, which I didn't care about. But the essentials are that, uh, you know, sometimes churches' leadership screw up and they need to be called out on it. So that's what they do. That's what he does anyways. They have this, this uh, word called polemics. You know, polemics are these guys that, you know, point out the problems with it. And I don't embrace that. I don't think that's a priority for anybody. And uh, I think love and how we treat one another and walking in the spirit is the priority. So, sure, there may be times where we need to have a little polemic attitude, but it shouldn't be our life. And... uh Anyway, so I've enjoyed listening to this guy, and he's brought up the word hermeneutics, interpretation. And, uh, yeah, there was a, Paul wrote that uh, widows get on this list for support if they're over 60. So, I'm like challenging that. It's like, okay, so this is an inerrant word of scripture, right? So... Is that literally 60 years old? So, like, if you're 59 and a half and you're a widow, you get no help because people will go, well, look, the Bible says you're you're only 59 and a half, so we're not going to help you. So, of course, there's a, you know, he says, well, no, that doesn't mean it's not. That doesn't mean it's an error. It just means you have to interpret it, right? Okay, so that opens the door up for a lot of things. And there you go. So the priority has got to be on walking in the spirit of love. And really not many people are, I haven't found anybody or seen anybody that articulates what that is. I mean, I like this John Ortberg. He's the closest to me that I've found that kind of talks. He doesn't even use, the, doesn't use that terminology or that language. And he doesn't use the Greek or Hebrew language either. He just talks about living in the moment, right? And that God's presence, God is closer than you think, is uh, his book. So that's a challenging book. God is closer than you think. Good book and walk in the presence, walk in the spirit that we have. And I like it, so and And so, as you when your're twenties eighteens you know your high school early twenties you're kind of finding your way through the wor- the world and you if you've gone to church if you've been exposed to church you, the teachers and leaders communicate from a position of authority so much that you kind of wonder like well maybe they maybe they are the authority and uh as i've come to Realize in this over 50 age bracket it's like well now these pastors they are kind of deceptive in that they're not really the authority and they don't have time to really interact in your life so that's where we have to take our own responsibility for our spiritual growth and do the Meeting with God every day and walk with God every day, and, and to me, I do that by establishing a discipline of reading, journaling, writing things down, and hopefully, I'm moving towards growth and being a better person. Not to, not that my myself being a better person will be life, you know, world life changing. What do they call that? Change the world type activity, but that's kind of where I'm I'm going towards on the transformation. This is all about it's all about individual transformation, and uh, my proposal is that the next 500 years is the not the era of Reformation, which is church organizations, which has got us to this point, which isn't very good, and change it to 500 years of transformation, that we just all decide that we have the scriptures, we have the knowledge, we don't need to know Hebrew, we don't need to know Greek. We can read it for ourselves, it's very plain language. And you read Paul, and what does he say? He talks about new life. And he talks about the gospel, the G-O-S-P-E-L. Not the co-opted, southern, bubble-built gospel. You gotta believe the gospel, which is G-A-H. S P U H L. See, that's a different gospel, which is the boundary marker gospel of uh, organized religion that says you got to do this, you got to believe that, you got to make this faith, you you got this statement of faith, and blah 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 blah. And it just takes God out of the equation. The equation. Well, sorry, that's. It just takes God's presence out of things. And uh, the way I visualize that, it's like these, the teachings are as if God just sits up in heaven and just watches and leaves, leaves us up to our own devices and leaves us up to these shepherds of the flock that have been trained in these wonderful seminaries with so much knowledge to, to uh, drop on us such that if we pay attention to these weekly Sunday morning if we're lucky, 30-minute sermons and we just we dig deep into these 30-minute sermons and we just get it right. You gotta get that right, that 30-minute sermon. And listen intently and be obedient to the casted vision of the shepherd, of the flock. Then God is waiting to see how we respond. Are we listening to our shepherd? Yes, are we listening to him? You've chosen to sit under the leadership of this shepherd and God is sitting up there watching to see are you obedient to this man, this man who has studied at the university, he may have even got a a PhD in theology from a British university because you know, the British universities are the best of course, any man who speaks in the King's English. And the King has started his own church, the Church of England, in 1507. And that King Henry VIII has ceremonially taken the head of Thomas More, who is l- later to become Sir Thomas More. Yes. This is the knowledge that we have been waiting for. Do you get that podcast, listener? <laughs> it's the English accent. An enunciation. You can't take, take that back. You know, if you, if you enunciate your words, words, then of course it must be true but it could be simply a load of bollocks, right? Just simply a load of bollocks. So anyway, yeah, if you studied at Oxford, you got a PhD from some British Cambridge something or way up north in Scotland, there's some fourth century or fifth century abbey. And there's some dude up there who will speak truth. Who speak truth, man, like from, uh, it's kind of like hippie UK English, Scottish is. Yeah, I'm on a roll this morning. I don't know, must have been good coffee, good strong coffee. Yeah, that hippie UK language is, you take a UK language, mix it with California, and you get Scottish. Right, man? Yeah, I'm kind of messing it up, but... uh, If you're from Scotland, Scotland, and you are up on this island up there. I forgot the name of it. But, you know, they had an abbey in the 4th century. And now some gentleman, you know, he's in 2000s, he's figured it all out, you know. You know, it's just figured out, man. We all have to go to the island up in Scotland. And then once we go to the island in Scotland... We're gonna be so full of wisdom and knowledge and truth that oh life will just be wonderful. But uh yeah, I guess it kind of feels that way a lot of times. You know, it's pleasant to listen to some dulcet tones from uh from Scotland. And uh there you go. So I'm home. It's 9.03, so I think that must have been a 30 minute walk bud is toasted. I'm a little bit warm. And it's a 30-minute podcast. And what should we name it, folks? I don't know. Is this this, uh, hermeneutics? Maybe Maybe just to throw people off, I'll use a big word like hermeneutics. I only have like two or three regular listeners, but This I I enjoyed the Scottish and the English accent thing because it's so true, isn't it? Isn't it so true, man? That when you know you hear someone speak in English, it just like tickles your ears, (laughs) which reminds me of second the last chapter, the last chapter of um, Timothy second timothy four last thing paul writes he talks about the tickling ears so the southern baptist in georgia loves to like rant on andy stanley and seeker sensitive churches like willow creek and other things just it's so it's so easy to be a freaking critic i know i that's what i do i criticize everything i criticize everything except for i don't have time to listen to my own podcast and criticize them. But anyway, let's go back to the Second Timothy 4, the tickling of the ears. And it's, they deceive themselves because they wanted to speak about myths, myths, myths of all things, right? So Paul's pretty specific about what the screw-up is by these deceivers, right? So I asked them, because the Christian commute and Seth Dunn and the Christian commute he has his podcast. I can send him an email. So the question is, what are the myths or what are the Andy Stanley myths? Like he doesn't like Andy Stanley, he's in Atlanta and you know it's right next to Bartow County, you know. So it's so close to home and so the polemics have to criticize Andy Stanley. Andy Stanley, which I think He's a fine dude. Whatever. I listen. I've listened to him a few times. I find him interesting. So what? I'm not. I don't go to his church. I'm in Arizona. I could care less. I'm not going to make a stink about it because I don't live in Bartow County, in Georgia. <laughs> and don't you just love the world today? I love it because I mean, we we don't realize how sucked in we get to our local culture. Like, I'm in. This is like hot zone, Arizona, and so we. Dust storms to us are like, wow, cool, dust storm, right? But to the rest of the country, if we send them a video, they're just like, huh? Whoa, dust storm, what the, what, that, what, what is that? It's like really hard to relate, but we've got like square miles of just sand out there that when the wind kicks it up, it just blows it in, you know? So it's not like magic, you know? There's a reason why we have dust storms here. So everyone has, in like Bartow County, there's a reason they're kind of ignorant. <laughs> but remember, knowledge isn't everything. It's, it's love. So we love the people in Bartow County. So uh, we love them, right? They may be ignorant. They may be on the, they may be on the lower end of the distribution curve on, on uh, intelligence. But that's okay. That's, we, you know, it's not about knowledge. It's about love, right, folks? So I'm sitting in the shade back by the pool and uh, resting. Bud's feet are washed, so he's good to go. I just need to dry him off so he can go inside. He's probably thirsty, get a drink. And we're off to a Saturday, and I probably need to go to the gym and work out so I can build some lean muscle on my body so I can burn off some fat in my belly. So, yeah, your podcast host here is not a perfect physical specimen of bodily perfection or whatever. <laughs> I'm in process, right? And and it's a process of spirituality, too. So, it's not an all or nothing. I live so much all or nothing. And uh, it's like, either you're there or not. No, that's... Let's chillax. Let's look at life as a process of ever-growing possibilities. And we have to live in the moment because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? So we've got to live in the moment, and we're on a journey, and we may never get to the end of the journey. But uh, the faith that Paul preached and brought to the world, the good news is that we are welcome in God's family and uh, through Christ um, coming and putting up with the knuckleheads even his twelve disciples I want to kind of change the view of the twelve disciples as being these awesome dudes in the paintings in Italy right you go to Italy and Rome and walk through and say, so, oh the the last supper look at that how beautiful that is and Jesus Jesus sitting next to John Peter and all the disciples. I mean, that's the painting. But it's not the reality. The reality is those 12 guys were a bunch of clowns. They didn't get it. They didn't get it even after he rose from the dead. <laughs> Here's a dude. They're like, uh, that guy we've been hanging out with for three years? Uh, crap. He's uh, strung up on this uh, cross. And uh, they just poked him with a spear in the side. And he's dead. Uh I guess we would call that game over in our video gaming obsession we have today. So game over for Jesus. We just we just spent three years following this dude who said a lot of wacky wacky stuff. Now he's dead. Oh wait, three days later he's resurrected. Amazing. What the hell is going on here literally? What the hell? So there he is, risen. Talks to him. Doesn't hang out with him for 40 days, but he shows up every once in a while for 40 days. That was probably the f- first 40 days of his ministry with Satan. I just thought of this, of course. The 40 days with you know tempted and not eating in the desert. That was probably a bad time. The last 40 days Jesus spent on earth, he was probably like Club Med. You know, he was. <laughs> he didn't. He he didn't hang out in Israel because he was probably. Maybe he did come to America and talk to the Indians. <laughs> Sorry, folks. But, you know, I don't know. Jesus is laughing because he's, maybe he's, this. remember the make God laugh? So Jesus laugh, man. Did you go to America at that point? And like 0 AD, is that, is that when you came and buried the tablets in New York State for the Mormons? Oh, man. Maybe it happened in those 40 days. I don't know. We really don't know, but we know we what we do know is he didn't just like have three meals three meals a day with his his genius 12 disciples and continue to like dish knowledge on them. <laughs> Can you I hope the listeners are with me. I mean it sounds like obviously this could sound like hugely disrespectful, but I'm just trying to like get a different view. Let's get out of the box and and think about it. So for 40 days he kind of cruises around, shows up, checks in, like, hey, how's it going? He didn't have to wait in line at Tia's <laughs> again, go through security checkpoint to fly over to the Bahamas or, or just go to Hawaii. And so maybe, maybe God said, hey, all right, Jesus, you did your thing, you know, nice. You, you died on the cross, you buried for three days, you're out, resurrected. Go enjoy the Grand Canyon, go enjoy Hawaii, just cruise around. Just you know, make sure you don't go over thirty thousand feet, because then we're saving that for the ascension. <laughs> Got it? We gotta put a ceiling on this, Jesus, right? I don't know. So, and well, wait a minute. Maybe he could go supersonic. I don't know. Who knows? But so he shows up every once in a while for forty days. Think about it. And the guys, the last day in Acts chapter one, what they like, they still don't get it. It's like bizarre. Like does does nobody? Does no pastor? point this out that even even when Jesus is about to ascend to heaven that the guys are like so are you coming back to like start your kingdom now are you like going to create this like kingdom on earth and to me the message is like Jesus like doesn't answer them he's just like all right I'm out of here I'm done gone 10 days later the holy spirit comes and we need to be relating to the holy spirit we got to be thinking what is the holy spirit mean to us what 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 gifts has God given you? How can you? What What are you an outlier in? What do you just? And, then, and now I'm just wondering about the outlier thing. It's just, just be authentic and real with who God is and and the Holy Spirit, and don't try to fake it. Don't pretend. I'm just, look, I'm talking into a microphone, a rubbery white podcast thing, which means nothing, and I don't know where this goes, you know. I I may be lucky and get someone to listen to it. And does it matter? I'm this is, I'm talking to myself a bit here. It's the old it's the old thinking out loud thing, which I have occasionally messed up and said I'm just talking out loud. Well, no crap, dude. Of course that's all you do. <laughs> anyway. So the guys don't get it. And Jesus takes off, and then the Holy Spirit comes and Peter sort of gets it in Acts 2. But then we find out he later messes up again. So the Peter dude, I don't know. The Roman Catholics love that Peter guy, but when you look at the whole Bible and the whole context, the dude's not a superstar. I mean, he screws up. I mean, if you were gonna have like an example of like the inerrant or infallible Pope, I, you got to go with with Paul. You can't you can't go with Peter. I mean, look at Galatians two eleven. You know, Paul. Peter was like screwing around, going back into his works thing and, you know, hanging out with the Jews and talking about circumcision and believing in the circumcision thing. And Paul opposes him to his face. So, dude, I mean, if the Pope is infallible and based on Peter, then who's Paul? Maybe I'm I'm Paul. I'll I'll oppose the Pope to his face. Not that I care, because I really don't. And, uh, about the Roman Catholic Church. But I, I care about the people, right? So this is like the key thing. It's like people are important, but not the politicians or the leaders, the organizers, the power grabbers and so forth. So it's Saturday. I don't know. You could be listening to this Monday morning, getting ramped up, getting ready for uh, another week of uh, of toiling in the sun. <laughs> So you have a wonderful day, and some of you that know me, you know, let me know. Was that a good podcast or not? Give me a rank rating. I don't know. I don't know if it would matter or not. I don't think I'm going to change the way I do this, anyways. So, all right, have a great day. If you're playing blackjack, or uh, I'm really disappointed because I was expecting some text messages with some lagunitas. 12th of November beer cans. are purple, served on Southwest Airlines. So get a 12th of Never IPA. It's mild, and they have little sayings on the top. I highly recommend it. So Lagunitas from, I think it's, I, I think you pronounce it Petaluma, California, up north of San Francisco. All right, everybody have a great day. Bye-bye.